Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Journey of Faith. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I want to say hi to everybody our our Torrance campus. We're connected right now there with you guys. And if you weren't able to make it in person to either of our campuses and you're watching us online, happy Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, This week, we sent out a social media post, and we had a verse on it about Thanksgiving. Here's what it said. It said, let your roots grow down into him, into Jesus, and let your lives be built on him, and then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. The idea here is that the more that we understand who God is and what God has done for us, the more it naturally leads to gratitude and thankfulness, and then that overflows into our lives. And that's, that's a powerful, powerful thing, that thanksgiving and gratitude. In fact, let me share with you a little routine that I started about six months ago that's been very helpful for me. I don't get out of bed in the morning until I experience gratitude. Um, now, it's not like a hunger strike where I'm laying in bed like, all right, God, I'm not getting out until you make me thankful. That's not what it is. But what I do is I try to spend a few moments before I ever get out of bed filling my gratitude tank, realizing what I have in my life, looking at some scripture, ignoring negative social media, focusing on what I need to focus on so that I'm filled with gratitude and thanksgiving as I start my day. And here's why I think it's important. When Jesus, when someone asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment in the Bible? Jesus said, there's two of them. Here's what he said. He said, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandments in the Bible, according to Jesus, are commandments for us to share generously our lives with God and with each other. And I believe the best motivation for doing that is from a place of gratitude. Because if we're not careful, the sharing of our lives generously with God and other people can come from other motivations that are not as powerful. And let me give you an example of three of them. Maybe you can relate to them. The first one is obligation. I have to. I have to go to work. I have to go to school. I have to love that person that I don't love. The problem with obligation is we can talk ourselves out of the obligation. Here's another one. Guilt and shame. Guilt says, I did something wrong, therefore I should. Shame is, there's something wrong with me, therefore I should. And guilt and shame are terrible motivators. Some of you grew up in homes that specialized in guilt and shame. Some of you have been part of churches or religious organizations that have leaned hard into guilt and shame. 
Uh, but they're bad motivators because we spend the whole day shooting all over ourselves, as it were. Um, and that's not what God wants us to do. Here's one more motivation that doesn't work. Fear. If I don't, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then this will happen. That's also a bad motivator. The best motivator that God has for us is gratitude. It's thankfulness. Even in that name, thanksgiving. Thanks leads to giving. Gratitude should lead to generosity. And they're like, that's our main idea for today. We should let gratitude unleash our generosity. That's where it should be coming from. So I want to share with you two reasons why we should let gratitude um, unleash our generosity. I'll be sharing the first one. The second one, I'm going to ask Alicia Allen, our director of outreach, to come out and share it with you. And then we're going to close our service by celebrating communion together. And communion is kind of a symbolic mini Thanksgiving meal where the primary uh, source of our thanks and the origin of our thanks is what God has done for us in sending Jesus to take away our sins. So here's the first reason why we should let gratitude unleash our generosity, and that is because God designed it that way. God designed us human beings, even our brains, to have a connection between gratitude and generosity. In 2017, a neuroscientist at University of Oregon named Christina Carnes um, she did a study wanting to see the connection between gratitude and generosity. So what she did is she got a group of subjects and she hooked them up to brain scanners and they watched a computer as real money was transferred either to their personal bank account or given to a local food bank. And what she saw was there was a greater response and sense of gratitude in people's brains as the money was given to the food bank, more so than being given to their account. Isn't that kind of weird and strange? Most of us would be like, oh, I'd be much happier if it went over into my account. But that isn't what was happening in the brain. Here's what she said. It turns out that the neural connection between gratitude and giving is very deep, both literally and figuratively. A region deep in the frontal lobe of the brain called the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, is key to supporting both. Practicing gratitude shifted the value of giving in the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. It changed the exchange rate in the brain. What does she mean in English? Here's what she means. Giving to charity became more valuable than receiving money yourself. She went further... And she got two different groups of people, and she had one group of people record a gratitude journal. The other group of people, she was told, just journal. Journal whatever you want. And she found over time the people that were keeping track of what they were grateful for tended to be more financially generous toward charities than the group that was just journaling other kinds of things. The science and the brain science simply reinforces something Jesus said 2,000 years ago in a very elegantly simple way. It's more blessed to give 
than to receive. Remember that verse in the beginning where I talked about how the more we learn about God, the more we realize who God is and what God has done for us, that leads to an overflow of thankfulness. Where does that overflow go? Well, the Apostle Paul, one of Christianity's first missionaries, gives us an idea. He was writing to Christians living in the first century, and here's what he says to them. He says, since you excel in so many ways, your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Here's what he's saying. As we realize how much God has done for us, as we realize more about who God is, it causes us to excel or grow. In what ways? We grow in faith, our ability to trust God. We grow in our spiritual gifts together, each one having different gifts and abilities. We grow in our knowledge of who God is and who we are and how the world works. We grow in our enthusiasm and in our passion We even grow in our ability to understand how much other people love us. But then Paul adds one more. He says, as you're growing in all these other areas, don't forget to grow in what he calls the gracious act of giving. What he's talking about is an important component of spiritual growth, and that is generous financial giving. It's when we allow our gratitude to go into where we actually put our money. So here's an action step for you. Take a step to be gratefully generous with your finances. That might be kind of new to some of you. You might have thought, I never thought about that. It's something I really don't talk a lot about here, but I got to tell you, it's a big part of my life. Like, Like, this is a big part of how my wife and I kind of see our ability to interact with the world around us. And it's an important part of spiritual growth in my life, and I hope it can be an important part of spiritual growth in your life. Let me give you a quick example of a resource that we use here at church and that has been, helped me over the years in understanding what it means to grow in the gracious act of giving. It's kind of a a growth chart, and maybe you can find yourself in it somewhere. We call this the generosity ladder, and it's got four rungs on it. The first one is the idea of being a first-time giver. There might be some of you here at Manhattan Beach, at Torrance, or online, where you're like, I go to church, and I pray, and I read the Bible, and I serve, but I've never actually thought about giving some of my money to help what God is doing in the world around me. That might be a first-time thing for you. For me, it was when I was 19 years old. My money was always my money. And then I realized God is the source of everything in my life. And I got to this point where I was like, well, everything I have is God's. And I started giving to God through the local church. And it was a powerful experience. That might be the case for some of you today. You might be like, you know what? I feel like the next step in my spiritual growth is to begin trusting God with my finances in that way. 
The first time giver is the first rung. The next rung would be what we would call intentional giving. Because sometimes you might, maybe some of you are like, you know, I give as I'm able to, as, as there's some resources there, or as I, I feel the need to. But an intentional giving is, I'm going to make this a spiritual rhythm in my life. I pray regularly. I go to church regularly. I serve regularly. Why don't I give regularly to make it a, a regular rhythm in my life? If it's important, why not have it be intentional? We have people here at the church, one of the things people do now is they set up with recurring giving. We do it with a lot of other things in our lives. We can do it spiritually to have that be a rhythm built in. There's another rung, the next rung, what we would call tithing. Now, this is a religious tradition that goes back way into the Old Testament. The word tithe means 10%. And the idea is, back in the Old Testament, there were people who would say, I'm going to give 10% of everything I earn to what God is doing in my local community. So the idea of tithing is 10% of what you bring in goes to the work of God through the local church. We're doing amazing stuff here in the South Bay. What would it be like if each of us said, we're going to give 10% of whatever we make? Now, it's not the amount, it's the percentage. Now, I'll tell you, this really changed my life because six months after I became a Christian, I began to practice what an older gentleman in my life taught me as the 10-10-80 rule. And he said, everything you bring in, you give 10% to God first, then you put 10% in your savings, and then you learn to live off of 80%. Not only did that help me put God first in my finances, but it really made me have to keep track of my money a lot better. I actually became more responsible because I had to learn to live off of 80%. And then the goal for my wife and I is to continue to increase the amount that we give God and live on less. And God provides such an amazing way for us to be able to continue to do that. So that becomes part of our life. And then there's some of you who maybe have something beyond this. And that is, you're one of those people that says, yeah, I give 10%. That's part of my life. In fact, I give 15%. Maybe I give 20%. There's some of you who have a spiritual gift that usually churches don't talk about. It's listed in the Bible. It's called the gift of giving. There's some of you who have the, not only the resources, but the desire and the passion to give more. You're always like, man, I'm looking for what, what's, what's next? What's God doing next around here? What's a way that I could give more? God, allow me to live on less or make more money so I can give more. And you're able to do it. That's when we go above and beyond because it's a spiritual gift. Where are you in this? And maybe God's inviting you to take a next step. Again, this isn't out of obligation. This isn't about um, guilt or shame. It's not about fear. It's about gratitude. In fact, the word in the New Testament that is described uh, when we're talking about giving, there's a Greek word in the New Testament. The word is translated in English, joyful. The idea is God wants you to give from a place of gratitude and joy. And you know, what the, you know what the Greek word is? Hilarion. It's where we get our word hilarious. The idea is, oh my gosh, God's been so good to me. I just want to give. I want, to, I want more people to experience that. 
Now, financial giving is one area of generosity that that should flow from our gratitude, but there are other areas, other important. So I'm going to ask Alicia Allen to come out here, and she's going to share with us another expression of gratitude. So let's give it up to Alicia. All right. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Alicia Allen, and I've been the director of outreach here for about five years now. And what that means is I get to help us put together all of our local outreaches and our short-term mission trips and help us to support 35 missionaries and global development partners all over the world that are just doing amazing work. But today, I actually want to tell you something a little bit more personal. Um, So I love to hike. I love that fresh, crisp air. I love being outside. I love the landscape. Hiking kind of just makes my heart happy. So last year, my husband and I had an opportunity to travel to Iceland, and I knew hiking, it was like at the top of my list. So as much as I love hiking, I do have some rules when it comes to hiking. Like number one, it cannot be too hot. I can't hike when it's too hot. And number two, there needs to be about six feet of space between me and the edge of any kind of cliff because I am so afraid of heights. So if I trip and fall, I want like a buffer zone. And number three, now this might be a little TMI, but we are friends, so I'm going to go ahead and share it anyways. So I only hike as far as I can hold it. Unless someone is coming to Jesus, I am going to use a regular toilet. Thank you very much. But all that to say, hiking is just such a wonderful thing for me. So people... Other people, they say, I like glorified walking. That's a story for another day. So back to Iceland. We're in Iceland. It's the end of the day. And there is this short, like, two-mile hike up to an ancient uh, burial mound from one of the first Icelandic Vikings. And I was dying to go. Now, this was the third hike of our day. So my husband, he was less enthusiastic But off we went. And here we are, and we are on this little narrow path. And I am way too close to the edge. And my palms are sweaty. And I'm kind of feeling ill. But I just keep walking. And then we get to a part in the path where a water rut has washed the path away. So I just stop. Well, my husband, he is six feet tall, and he has these super long legs, so he takes this wide step, and he makes it to the other side. Well, I buy pants that have an S on them, and that S, it stands for short. The only way I am getting to the other side is if I jump. And just as I resigned myself to do the walk of shame and go back to the car, my husband says, Honey, you can't say that you love hiking and that you want to see the world if you're not willing to give a little bit here and keep going. So suck it up, buttercup, because you can't have it both ways. And I'm like, yeah, I think we call that real talk. Listen, after 20 years of marriage, what my husband knows 
is at the time the only way he was going to get me to jump was to dare me. And what he was really daring me to do was to trust him. I wasn't going to fall. He was right there. So I gathered my breath. I calmed myself down. And even though I felt like crying, I jumped. And when I got to the top, it was glorious. It was, it doesn't even look real. It was a thousand times better than anything I could have ever imagined. So the second reason why we should let gratitude unleash our generosity is because God dares us to trust him and jump into generosity. So we are going to look at a passage from the book of Malachi. And in Malachi's day, the people, they had kind of grown stagnant in their faith. Their worship was more of like a ritual or a checklist than it was this loving and thriving relationship. And they had gotten into the habit of doing just the minimum to keep God happy. So we are going to pick it up in chapter 3. And it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So what God is saying is give all of the best of your resources to my work in the world. I am the commander-in-chief. I have all the authority and might, and I am inviting you into my goodness. And if you have this kind of upfront faith and you give me your best, I'm going to bless you. Go ahead. I dare you. We do not have another place in the Bible that we get this kind of challenge or dare from God. And over time, as we use that challenge, as we use that dare um, as a lens of how we give our time and our gifting and our energy and our money, we become so grateful to be included in God's plan for this world and his great love that our generosity comes from a place of good motivation. So I want to tell you another little story. Last month, we got to go to Mexicali. First mission trip that, since like the COVID, since the pandemic had begun. And we got to Mexicali. And as soon as we got there, it seemed like as soon as we got there, we were hit by a tornado. And it ripped the roof off of the building that was in our camp. And then this four-hour sandstorm came through, and it knocked out all of the power and all of the water. Now, that sandstorm, also, when it was out in the desert, it picked up scorpions and tarantulas and brought them into our camp. It was like nothing I've ever seen. So we did what we could to stay safe, and we went to bed. And the next morning, we got up, and the water and the power, they were still out. We were all exhausted. We hadn't slept that night. It was over 90. It was way too hot. And if I'm being honest, most of us, we were just ready to go home. 
So we had a team meeting, and we prayed, and we decided, you know, against all the odds that we're facing, we are going to stick it out, and we're going to stay in Mexicali. So we, on that trip, came to the very ends of ourselves, and then we gave a little bit more. We're going to take a look at a video about our experience. What the Lord did in me in Mexicali was to just um, soften my heart. And there was that part of me that thought, hmm, there's not much for me to do on this trip. And yet, translating became a really big deal. And then just was spending time with the family. I just know that it was meaningful. We've helped people doing, during this trip and helped people in the community, but it helped me more, myself, um, to grow in my faith, to be honest, and to lighten my heart, and to work on my patience. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of those things. This trip was pretty unique in just the, the circumstances that occurred. You know, I, I look at that giant sandstorm come through. First it was, oh, this is cool. Look at this thing. This is like really cool sandstorm. And then it was like, oh no, this is, this is dangerous. This is bad. And so it was just a moment where we're like, got to rely on God here. This is a point where we're going to trust and rely on God because we can't do anything to fix this or stop this from happening. The weather, a roof blow off. I mean, just craziness that first day, no water, no power, but God was faithful. Uh, everything got back up and going and all right, if we can survive stuff like that, then, you know, it just renews, restores, strengthens my faith even more down the road to step out and risk and step out in faith. I think we are our greatest enemy at times that, you know, we allow those things to hinder ourselves from experiencing so much more than, you know, we limit ourselves to just letting go and letting God. Um, recognizing that there's a need out there that's so much bigger than the problems you're going through, it really put a calling on me to kind of make this a piece of who I am, right? Am I volunteering monthly or yearly and in big ways and small ways, right? And then furthermore, telling my kids the same thing, right? This is who we are. All I know is we ought to be busy about God's business. And that's what we're called to do. No idle times. Just be available and be a conduit uh, for blessing to others. Yeah, that's great. So God met us where we were at, and as we gave our time and we served, our faith deepened. Our spiritual family grew, and even a piece of our legacy was defined while we were in Mexicali. And those are blessings that are so great that we're still trying to process and even run our mind. Like, what happened? Let me try to get my earthly mind around what happened. So here's an action step for us. Start serving. Maybe it's jumping on one of those Christmas teams that we talked about earlier, or doing the Adopt-A-Family for Christmas. Maybe you are ready to brave the scorpions and get on one of our mission trips, or start serving with our kids, our students, um, our future. The point is that we just have to start. And if you're like, hey, I am ready. I am ready to start serving today. I want to commit, but I don't know where or how 
cow, fill out the Connect card and let us help you. So I am going to summarize what we learned today, and then we're going to end our service in the time of celebrating communion together. So we should let gratitude unleash our generosity. Why? Because God designed our gratitude to unleash our generosity, and because God dares us to trust him and jump into generosity. So I'm going to close by telling you this. Ten years ago, I gave my life to Jesus in this church. And as I learned about who Jesus was and what he did for me, I finally had language around awe and reverence. And I started serving by holding babies because I was too scared to do anything else. And I thought, God can't possibly use me. And over time, as I learned more about faith and about God's plans for this world and his great love, the more generous I was with my time, with my giftings, with my energy, and with my money. And I stand here today and I look out to you guys and I just think, what if I didn't jump? So if you're standing there too, friends, jump, I dare you. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much that you have good and wonderful plans for us, Lord, and that you would even include um, us in how you work in the world. We love you so much, and I just ask, Lord, that every single one of us would be changed today, and we would be ready um, to give, to give our time and our energy, and that you would bless that, Lord. Thank you, and in your name I pray, amen.